G'day, it's Rob Marshall. Welcome to Out on the Paddock, episode 17, brought to you by the WA Country Cricket Board. This is a very special unplugged episode of Out on the Paddock, celebrating the recent running of Women's Country Week in the first week of March 2023. And what a stunning three-day carnival it was, culminating in an A-section final that went down to the very last over of the match. Four buys saw Bunbury Red defeat last year's Women's Country Week champions, Geraldton, with only four balls remaining. What a classic, which meant Bunbury could celebrate its first ever Women's Country Week title after Gero had won the first ever in 2021 and then had gone back to back in 2022. Bunbury's Emily Allen was the star of the final, taking an amazing six for 16 off four overs with the ball as Geraldton were kept to nine for 101 batting first. And then it was Emily again, following, following this up by top scoring for the BDCA with 48 in what proved to be a match winning innings. The Southern Scorpions and Bunbury Blue made up the four teams competing in this year's Women's Country Week A section. The B section this year saw two teams from Bunbury, two from Peel, as well as a side from Geraldton and a side from West Pilbara. In another close affair, Geraldton number two just squeezed out the exciting team from West Pilbara to claim the B grade title. What an amazing celebration of women's cricket was on display around the Bunbury and Bustledon region over the March long weekend. A huge shout out needs to go to the Bunbury Women's Country Week Organising Committee, headed up by Emma Jamison, Lisa Norrish, Jason Reid and a host of other volunteers who did an amazing job. Women's Country Week and Women's Country Cricket is alive and thriving in WA. This episode of Out on the Paddock is one captured live on the first evening of Women's Country Week at an event full of massive excitement with over 200 attendees packed into the Leshenolt Sporting Association. A special panel of four inspiring women in cricket and in sport were brought together to create the theme Be Inspired and it's your chance to now sit back and listen to these women as they tell their stories and journeys, in two cases, right to the very top of Australian cricket. We also hear from a regional woman who has little to do with cricket, but is doing nothing short of amazing things for women using a very different sport and combating domestic violence for women. So sit back and enjoy, unplugged, Women's Country Week Special Edition. This is a live podcast tonight. We are going to um, make this our next episode of Out on the Paddock. So any disclaimers, anybody who doesn't want to say anything, then you need to keep quiet. Otherwise, you're going to be there for the whole world to hear. But thank you for joining us tonight, for coming along. How good is this? As I said a couple of years ago, girls, don't underestimate what, what you are doing. You are creating history. You are doing things this weekend that nobody's ever done before. And it's so exciting for us as, as um, traditional cricket followers and watchers 
and so exciting to see what you guys are achieving. It is absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, that word. It's absolutely crazy. And we're so pleased that you have come from as far as Geraldton, the Pilbara, the Great Southern, the Wheatbelt, to Bunbury. So put your hands together for everyone. We are going to interview some very, very important people tonight. Um, so basically, these um, people are some of the most important people in WA cricket, in, in some cases, and also we've got a, uh, a person here tonight who I think will touch your heart with a charity that's very important to women across the world. So we're going to, um, to have a chat to Errol Fay, who is the chair of WA Country, uh, WA Cricket, I'm the chair of WA Country Cricket, you're the chair of WA Cricket. Um, welcome, Errol. going to be having a chat with a person who was named as one of the most influential out of 500 people in Western Australia only last year, and that is Russell Lindroth, <laughs> Christina Matthews, we are welcome. And you may not know the lady in pink, but uh, Christy Hitchens is joining us tonight, and Christy has got a phenomenal there we go. I nearly got it out. I'm going to have to practice that one, Christina. An unbelievable story to tell of a charity that um, I think you'll all um, engage with. But we'll hold that over, hold that thought. So first of all, I want to have a chat with Christina. There's Christina Matthews. Okay, you only know her. You know her as the CEO of, of WA Cricket, or the Wacker, as we used to call it. But Christina is the most capped test cricketer in Australian history. Did you know that? I, I think that's still the case in the Christina. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, incredible, uh, incredible uh, effort by Christina. 20 tests. We'll dig more into that in a moment. She was capped number 100. I don't know how you engineered that, but that's something really special. She has also taken the most dismissals for Australia of any Australian Test women's player. I think you're just holding off Alessa Healy, correct? Or is she getting close-ish? She's nowhere near. No idea. <laughs> she plays all short form. I want to tell you, however, before I ask Christina a few questions, I want to tell you about the first time I ever met this person, this person who is one of the most influential out of 500 people in Western Australia. So when I took over as chair of WA Country Cricket in 2016, um, I took over from a gentleman, Peter Sillinger, and I had to fill some big, big shoes. And I got the opportunity to go and meet with Christina for the very first time. Hadn't met with Christina, and I was scared, you know what, <laughs> of meeting this lady who just seemed to be the Goliath of, of Australian cricket to me. So all the way up, I had a number of things that we, was really important for us in country cricket to see if I could get Christina to sign off on for me. So all the way from Australia to Perth, I practised you know, practice, practice, and I'm going, don't be too needy, don't be too fast, you know, sound like you're cool, calm and collected. This incredible person, I got to Perth, went up into the Prindable stand, the one that's just been demolished, 
went into this boardroom and the only person in there was Christina and she was standing over towards an area that had some tea making and coffee making facilities. And I walked in and she said, oh hi Rob, um, grab a seat. So I sat down and she said, so what, is, what would you like? And I thought, wow, she must be on a timeline. <laughs> so I just <laughs> burst out with, oh Christina, we need $10,000 for a, a project this summer. Can you get us back on the wacker for season in junior country week? Um, can you get us more games in Premier Cricket on the turf weekends? Blah, 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 blah. And just absolutely did everything I'd practised in the car not to do. <laughs> I then stopped and I went, so that's it? She looked at me. She was still standing near the tea and the coffee. And she said to me, Rob, when you walked in, and I said, what is it you would like? I mean, English breakfast? <laughs> So, I just stood there and thought, I'm never going to be invited back again. I just said, Earl Grey, thanks. <laughs> Very scary lady. Um, but Christina, looking at your phenomenal career up there, can you tell us probably the most important question first, it is especially for the girls here, what was it like playing in skirts and long socks pulled up to your knees? <laughs> Excuse me, Rob, they're called culottes. Culottes, sorry. Okay. Formal. Yeah. That's what you do when you're a lady, you wear culottes. Um, look, we didn't know any different, so that's how everybody had played before us. Um, and strangely, it was Belinda Clark who forced the change. Um, she was, uh, when she became Australian captain, she made it her mission to get us moved out of culottes into um, uh, pants. So, um, you know, it was a, you know, I'm glad we don't have to wear them now, but it was one of those things that um, mine actually, when I stood up, came down on the knees. I might as well just had a full skirt on. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't great if you're a big diver, which I was, so everybody got to see your undies all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I know, mate. So we'll do, a, we'll, we'll do a quick straw poll, girls. Would you like to go back to skirts and collots? No, 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 no. I, I did say, because next, next Wednesday um, our boys are playing in the one day final and it just happens to be International Women's Day. So we had a, we had a staff meeting last week and Avril will tell you, sometimes I think I'm pretty funny but most people don't think I am. <laughs> Anyhow, I announced that in honour of International Women's Day the boys would be wearing culottes. <laughs> because half the staff was too young to know what colots were. Well, you lost me at skirt, so that's <laughs> Christina, tell us a little bit about how you came to, to play cricket in the first place and then ultimately to work through to live your dream of wearing that baggy green that you've got on your head, head there. Um, what, what, was, what was it that inspired you to play cricket in the first place? Well, I think... Um, uh, First time when I grew up, cricket and footy were the big sports. Um, I, girls in those days played netball and softball, but they weren't very public profile sports, so everybody wanted to play footy and cricket. Um, in the street I lived in, we always had um, 
cricket in the summer, footy in the winter, on the road. So there'd be a lookout who'd yell when a car was coming. We'd have the bins on and so forth and pull them off when the cars came and put it back on. So kind of grew up playing it and watched it with mum and dad. And uh, when I was about 12, um, we shifted suburbs. I grew up in Melbourne, so... Um, First of all, we're in Nunawati, then we um, shifted to Glen Waverley, and there happened to be a women's team playing in that suburb, which was very unusual to like into that. Um, and my mum saw it, I was about 12, and she said, do you want to go down and give it a go? And I said, yeah. To be fair, mum was just terrified I'd play football. Um, <laughs> so cricket was a good option in her eyes. Um, anyhow, I went down and I loved it from the I um, uh, stepped on the field. Um, it was an adult team, and not other kids. So there was me, uh, thirteen-year-old. Got to get so, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Avril's really good at this. Uh, <laughs> Twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, and then the next youngest was twenty-one. Wow. The oldest, <clears throat> the oldest was thirty-eight. So. Wow. Good range. It was yeah, an interesting environment. I loved being part of a club. Absolutely loved it, and the fact that I was allowed to play a national game. But you were a wicketkeeper. Yeah. yeah. When, when did you discover the love for wicketkeeping? Who's a wicketkeeper in here, by the way? Put your hand up. Yeah. So you, we have got the, the best wicketkeeper ever to play for Australia, right here, right now. Um, and that came as a result of being the worst bowler and bat <laughs> that ever played for the way from the cricket. I wasn't going to bring that up just quietly, but... Thank you. I um, had made six ducks in a row before I made A-run, and my success was measured on how many balls I faced, not how many runs I got. Um, and my bowl was a danger to the umpire because there was a capitation. Um, so kind of at the end of the first year, I thought, I better find something I've been interested in. So I picked up a pair of gloves and I was, from that time on. So when, when did you get to know that you were going to play for Australia for the first time? What, do you remember where you were and what you, uh, what you were doing at the time? Um, yeah, so in the, uh, in the old days, we used to have a national championship. So we'd go away for just over two weeks every year, play exterior games against each other, and they'd always announce the Australian team at the end of the tournament. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we'd have the big dinner, all the awards were announced. The last thing is they announced the Australian side. Um, now, in those days, my, uh, Matthews isn't my married name. And uh, I'm not married anymore, but I kept the name because if you're in those days, it was announced alphabetically. Right. So my maiden name was White, so I was always last. <laughs> Matthews got me announced earlier. It's far less stressful. <laughs> so. Um... <laughs> and just quietly, cap number one hundred. I'm thinking as well. So that was very. And, and you know what? I didn't know that till I went to the MCG. There you go. I did a tour of the MCG with some other guys. We were at a meeting, and we said, "Oh, I'm number one hundred. Yeah. As a group of kids came around the corner, and they're teaching. So, Christina, I mentioned before that um, I believe I believe that every girl, lady in this place today, everyone who competed today, is creating history for the men's game, for the men's country week game. We go back to 1907. So, 
none of us can remember what happened in those first years. No one's left alive to do that. These guys are going to be alive to tell the story for a long, long time. When you were getting into women's cricket, and in particular to the Australian team, did it feel to you like you were creating history, that you were doing something for women and, and women playing cricket, or was it a case of just you were there because, you know, you were good at it? Oh, no, I'm much more aware of that now. At the time, I was such an idiot. <laughs> uh, you know, I... I'd seen an article in the Australian Women's Weekly um, when I was 15 about the Australian women's team going to England for the 1976 Ashes, I think it was. There was a, the, the sort of second keeper in the squad was only 16. And I thought, how good's that? That's only another year and that could be me. Well, 16 came and went. So I refocused my goals to be the oldest person to ever play for Australia. So... But I first had to get in the team to be able to be the oldest person. Um, and I was just excited about playing for Australia. My first tour was to India. Um, so I got to debut in another country, which was fantastic. But I honestly thought that we'd be just like the men. Mm. That you play for Australia, you're made. Oh, this is going to, I'm going to be so famous, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> um, but no, I wasn't. Um, but in India... If anyone's been to India, it's the most fabulous country. It's so diverse, but it's also mayhem. And we arrived in Delhi at 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, I had never eaten rice before I went to um, India. I was a very English background, meat and three veg, you know. We didn't go and get chocolates. That never happened. <laughs> um, so... So we went there and I, I went through the whole six weeks in India, didn't touch a bit of rice because I'd never eaten it, so I wasn't going to start now. Um, but when we got out of the airport, we got on the bus and it was like, it was so humid. And we're driving down the street in our bus and everybody's tooting and I'm waving as if they knew us. No, they just tooted everybody. So then we turned up at our accommodation, I'm thinking, you know, luxury Hilton. No, we went to the Delhi Stadium and were staying underneath and we had army camp beds, um, uh, no heating. Um, the windows were little louvers at the top. Um, but we'd done a lot. Before we went, we got a lot of preparation about the hygiene or lack of it in India. But we got there and we were wrapped. The bathrooms were brilliant in our rooms. So I think there was three of us three or four of us in this one room. It was about the size of this room. It was ridiculous. But the bathrooms had just been renovated. They're all beautiful and white, toilet, new bowls, proper showers. None of the bathrooms worked. <laughs> it was just for show. So when you went to the toilet, you had to get a bucket of water to chuck down after you. And every morning, they delivered a bucket for us to share. Another bucket. Another bucket to put over your head. Um, and then one of the other players, her husband joined us on a tour. And I think in his first day there, he's put his foot up on the basin to try his shoes off and the whole thing came off the wall. <laughs> so, yeah, it was an interesting so, introduction. So not a glamorous uh, yeah, test for your career at all? Not glamorous at all, but the best fun I've ever had. Fantastic. Well, Christina, I believe and I, I could be debunked here, but I believe our next guest, who is sitting alongside you, we put your hands together for Avril Faye.
So there is a rumour going around, you can debunk this, both of you, there's a rumour going around that, Christina, your last test match was Avril's first test match and you guys shared a room together, is that correct? How incredible is that? And can I tell you, she's been chair for four months now. Yep. She's paying me back every little bit. Because <laughs> I've always been the elder. Now she's going, now you're my puppy. <laughs> She also mentioned that you snored a lot, just quietly, but I'm just saying that. You're getting me into trouble already. Yeah, right? sorry, Avril. Let's go through Avril's amazing career. Avril played Test Cricket also, another incredibly um, phenomenal career. I'm going to get that word out if it takes me all night. Played Test Cricket for Australia between 1995 and 2001. Avril is cap number 130. Six tests and 40 women's one-day internationals for Australia. She also played in the 1997 World Cup winning team. Now, I forgot to mention that also Christina played in the 1988 World Cup winning team. 164 women National Cricket League ODI matches for WA. Now, Avril's story is possibly a little bit closer to home because... We refer to Avril as the girl from Busso, and that's where it all started for, for you, Avril. Do you want to just tell us, and, and just quietly too, Avril, most importantly, probably out of all of that, Test Cricket, Captain Western Australia, she is episode 13 of Out on the Paddock, so make sure if you haven't gone and had a listen to the full story, you do so. Yeah, well, we haven't got around to you yet, Chris. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, Avril, tell us about, especially for the, the younger girls in here, how it started for you down in Bustleton. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, it's almost like coming home, but when I grew up in Bustleton, we didn't come to Bun Bunbury very much. You know, um, I remember um, my, my dad was a teacher, so we um, he taught at Nanup and Quarama at Bass Primary School. I think he was at Carradale for a bit in Quarama, but I, um, I lived on the beach in Busso. Uh, it's not that easy, is it? <laughs> very, very tough. Uh, I played all my junior cricket in Bustleton and I was reminiscing today with Rob about playing um, junior boys cricket at Hay Park. Uh, I played for Bustleton Senior High School at Forest Park in the Gillette Cup in about 1990. Um, I think I might have even played T-ball at Hay Park. I see um, a T-ball diamond down there as well. So, yeah, I'm... I'm it's, it's great that we brought uh, country champs to, Bustle, to, uh, to Bunbury um, and it's so fantastic to see the, um, the fact that Bunbury districts um, have got two, two grades going. Um, that's a dream come true. When I was playing in, in Bustleton in the 80s, there were two girls playing, myself and Cindy Morgan, and I often reflect on that time and say, isn't it fantastic that we've now got such a, a growth in the southwest? It's a, it's a probably underrepresented in the um, WA side, but we've got some great players who play from WA from this region, and it's just fantastic to be here. So, you, you yeah. yeah, put your hands together for that. So we can see up on the screen here your phenomenal cricket career and I know having interviewed you on the podcast, your, your time wearing the baggy green was fantastic, but you also had a lot of pride in the fact that you got the captain of Western Australia. Can you just tell everybody, because it's, it's not that long ago, but for a few it might be a, a bit of a distant memory, what was, what was the situation with cricket in WA when you were playing mainly through the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s? 
Yeah, so Rob, I debuted for WA in nineteen ninety two. One of those tournaments that Christina mentioned. We used to go away for a couple of weeks, um, and then in the mid nineties, we went to a national league competition, which was fantastic. Um, we got to play home and away. You, you, you flew every week weekend. Uh, it was a bit tough in those days. You played two fifty over games Saturday Sunday, so you'd fly in Friday night. You'd play Saturday, Sunday, you'd fly home Sunday night. Most of us rolled out of bed and went to work on, on Monday. But it was just a, for me, it was a, it was a brilliant time. Um, I look at Ash Gardner now, she's in, in India. She's going to be playing tonight, I think, or tomorrow night in India. She's going to earn half a million dollars for three weeks' work. Yeah, wow. um, I think I probably earned nothing for playing for <laughs> WA for 20 years. But it was a brilliant time and I don't, um, I don't begrudge those current players because um, I look at that photo now and I go, no wonder my back hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just um, yeah, a, a brilliant time to be playing. Um, to captain WA was a great thrill. I managed to do that for five years. Um, and yeah, it was just um, pretty tough at various times because as the captain um, in those days, we were um, not getting a huge amount of support from WA cricket. So you had to do a lot more work than potentially the players do now. But yeah, it was good times. And so on that point, what, what is your role now with WA Cricket and, and where do you, I know that you've got a real passion for the women's game and for women in cricket. Do you want to just explain to everybody a little bit of, of what your role is now? So I'm the, the chair of WA Cricket, which means I'm Chris's boss. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we, as, as the chair of WA Cricket, we um, provide the senior leadership, we provide the strategic direction, um, we um, empower management to make sure that they go out and, and deliver, um, to deliver a game for everyone. So um, WA Cricket, we're the custodians of the game. So part of our obligation is um, to make sure that we have high performance programs, so you know, the Scorchers, the WA men, the WA women, um, we also have an obligation to support cricket in all of its forms. So uh, community cricket, junior cricket, um, we're really proud of our um, national Indigenous team that, that plays, our inclusion programs, our disability cricket, etc. So um, we look after a lot of aspects of, of cricket, um, but we can't do it without uh, our fantastic staff, some of which are here today. Um, but also our volunteers. So it's people like you, Rob. Um, I can see uh, Rachel Norman here as well uh, from the Southwest uh, Career Board as well. It's, it's all the coaches, it's the parents, it's everyone here that helps us manage the game and it's just fantastic that we have such a broad community. Absolutely, yes. Before we move on to Christy, just one last question to, for you. You know, you and I sat out at Hay Park today and saw some amazing cricket being played. How important, from a WA cricket perspective, are women playing cricket in WA country? How important? Oh, it's essential. It's absolutely essential. Um, every person who picks up a, um, a bat or a ball could be on the trajectory to play for Australia. And I think what's really important is... Um, when I talk about my journey into wearing the baggy green, it started in the backyard or in our front yard in Bustleton. It started in the front yard with the boys next door bowling to me and throwing the ball to me and letting me field with them. Yeah. And I think we need, we need to have really strong participation. Some of the women here might think, I'm never going to wear a baggy green, and you're probably right. But <laughs> the most important thing is... You, you cannot be what you cannot see. Yeah. And I think what we see is that 
there are going to be little girls. Um, it's actually one running around tonight with some fantastic blue shoes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> get a baggy black to play for WA to go with those shoes, she might be getting a baggy green, but she'll get that because she has seen other women playing cricket in at Hay Park or Forest Park, and that's well, what we need. We're great really call, that. great call. Well, well done. Well done. How has being on out on the paddock changed your life? <laughs> well, it's, apparently it's a really good listen. I, um, I actually sent it to my mum, Rob, and um, she sort of thought it was spam, so she deleted it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, uh, episode 13, yep. that was my playing number. Go out, do yourself a favour. Yeah. <laughs> now, we did have um, Shaney War lined up to join us tonight. Unfortunately, through a number of reasons, Shaney wasn't able to join us at the last minute. But I still would have wanted to honour her, uh, an exceptional sportswoman across a large, long period of time, pretty much 20 years strutting the world on the, on the world stage with golf. Um, but I, this is her today in the, um, the blue and, and red of the BDCA. She, she's just, she, if you have a look, close look, she's just hit a six. <laughs> With, with a papa, which is, that just calls out how incredible this this lady is. So if you see Shaney tomorrow, um, give her a bit of a hug. She's, um, she, she couldn't make it tonight. She desperately wanted to, but phenomenal cr career. We do proudly call her the girl from Bunbury, not the girl from Busso. And uh, she also rates being episode 12 about on the paddock pretty, pretty high. So uh, if you see Shaney or play against Shaney, um, give her a, a, a cuddle because she is an amazing lady in her own right, amazing woman in sport and amazing role model for women in sport as well. But we'll move to now. Just a warning, Rob, for those men here who actually don't know Shaney, please don't run up and hug her. Yeah. <laughs> good, good call, sorry. <laughs> so Christina's kind of my boss, so I, sorry. Yeah, I'm in trouble. All right. Let's get to our last guest, and um, some of you may know Christy, some of you may not know Christy. Beautiful pink top, by the way, Christy, loving your top tonight. Um, we, um, we have asked Christy to come along tonight because we've heard from two ladies who have clearly inspired us all in the game of cricket. Christy, I don't think has played a lot of cricket in her career. Binning up beach. Binning up beach, yes. <laughs> so we proudly call Christy the, the girl from Bino because, uh, but not for cricket reasons. Christy, before I start, that photo up there, I reckon if I tried to do that, I'd snap in half. But uh, that's, that is an incredible photo just in its own right. And I reckon that's binning up behind you there, I'm guessing. No? Okay, I got that one wrong. Should have asked before I went up. <laughs> so, Christy, obviously. I'm guessing you're into martial arts. So we're, this is a, a sports evening and we're obviously talking a lot of cricket, but how did you get into martial arts for a start? I was a bit of a late bloomer with martial arts. I'd been watching my son uh, train in Taekwondo for about five years, he'd been doing it. I turned 40 
I don't think that had anything to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a new challenge. Um, I was egged on by a few other people at the club, so I decided to join him on the floor. Um, I felt like they got Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> I felt very uncoordinated when I first started. Certainly couldn't do that when I first started. Um, yeah, it was just the beginning of an amazing journey. So, Christy, you are the founder of something we now know as the Pink Belt Project. Um, I, I started today to do a bit of research into it and then I thought, why would I want to research it when I can hear it from the person themselves? Can you tell us a little bit about what is the Pink Belt Project and what was the, uh, what was the inspiration behind it, I guess? I guess if I, I start with how it started and how it came about, when I started my martial arts training, it wasn't very long into the journey where I could just feel that I was different on the inside. The training changed me. It was, it was building this sense of confidence, empowerment, and that I was experiencing that not just on the training floor but in other areas of my life. I, I felt like I was taking that to work um, and it was helping me in all sorts of areas. So as a journalist by trade, I'm kind of naturally curious about everything. So I started researching this phenomenon and, and to try and find out if, if other people, women in particular, had experienced this kind of transformative effect that I felt like I was having. Turned out there was a whole body of research, international research, uh, that talked about the benefits of martial arts for women. It changes how you move through the world. I, I call it the martial arts effect. Um, it's not necessarily that you can defend yourself, but it's that knowledge that you can, which just changes um, who you are. So there was that side of it. And there was also um, my beautiful training buddy who I got to know was a young Balinese woman who was new to Australia. Um, and it turned out we became quite good friends and, and I discovered not very long into our friendship that she was actually being impacted by domestic violence. She eventually had to leave her marriage and set herself up independently. And as a result of that, she couldn't afford to train anymore. Which, at the, with all that I was learning about the benefits of martial arts, to me, it was just, it was a tragedy, you know. She had this great camaraderie, like what I see here today at Taekwondo. Um, she was quite isolated, so I really wanted to get her back to training, but... She wasn't a charity case. I didn't want her to feel, you know, like yeah. um, she had to accept my help or anyone's help. Um, so I just came up with this idea. I, I wanted to help my friends, so I just started crowdfunding for a scholarship. And I said to her, "I'm just, I'm just fundraising. It could be for anyone." <laughs> so, um, and the idea just took off. Whoever I just spoke to about this idea of a scholarship so that a woman affected by violence could learn martial arts, um, everyone just got behind it. So in that first year, I think we had uh, 10 or so scholarships to give out by the end of the first kind of fundraising round. So I was able to convince her to take one. Uh, and that was back in uh, 2019. Uh, and that was the beginning of it. <laughs> Everyone I've spoken to about this, I, 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 like I say, I, I started to Google it and I decided, no, I wanted to hear it from the person themselves. 
Every person I've spoken to, even tonight on a couple of occasions and mentioned that you were here, are glowing of what it has achieved and where it's at now. Do you want to sort of tell us where, what level it's at now? So we've, we've now given out about 150 scholarships across Australia. Wow. We've got, we call them Pink Belt Supporter Clubs. So they're martial arts clubs who come on board and offer to sponsor a scholarship at their club. And we've got them in every state and territory of Australia. And we've now got a couple in the UK and one in Canada. And that's all from binning out Western Australia. Yeah. Uh, uh, the girl from Binno, that sort of yeah, other. I am in Australia now. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> the, the girl from Australia. <laughs> Christy, is there any way that anyone who's perhaps been touched by this today can get involved or perhaps assist in any way? Is there is there um, is that funding process still available for people to donate to? It, it absolutely is. We're now an Australian um, registered charity. Charity, yeah. Um, but we are reliant on grant funding. Uh, this is something that I do in my spare time, outside of almost full-time work, family, and those sorts of commitments. I've got a volunteer board of management. Back growth relies on, on funding. Um, so yeah, it's just one foot in front of the other and, and keep growing, keep growing the awareness, I think, not just about the project itself, but the role that martial arts can play yeah. in this space to yeah. both help women heal from much sorry help women heal from violence but also help prevent violence from occurring yeah. in the first place yeah um and i i have to say that i, I feel like they're very much the odd person out on, on the panel here but i think that's something we really do share is is a passion for the role that sport can play in yeah. driving gender equality in this country yeah. um and everyone here is is partaking in that Tonight, so absolutely, yeah. Well said. Just find your website if people do want to go and find out a little bit more. Do you want to just tell us that? Please do. Yeah. Pinkbelt.com.au. Pinkbelt.com.au. So go and check it out, guys. Um, an, ama- wow. an amazing initiative from somebody who has a, a passion for a sport. It might not be the sport that we all play. Uh, but it is a, a, an amazing passion and has harnessed that to do something incredible in, in, in the, the sports space here and not in, only in WA, but now, as you heard, from um, across Australia and international as well. So congratulations, Christy. We put your hands together again. We're going to wrap this episode of um, Out on the Paddock up in a few moments, but did anyone have any questions that you'd like to fire? I haven't seen anything, Emma, come up on the, uh, whatever you called it, or in the app. <laughs> but uh, anyone got a question? If you, you want to put your hand up and ask a question, yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, you represent. Um, to each of you girls... On or off field, uh, public, private life, what is probably your number one achievement over your current generation? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I think my number one achievement is probably 
um, creating genuine inclusivity within WA cricket, um, uh, proving that one group doesn't suffer if you lift up another. You lift up one, you lift up all. And if we stick to that principle, no one misses out. And so I'm proud that's what we're doing at WA Cricket. That is a really tough question. Well done. Uh, look, I, I tend to agree with Christina. You know, I think... Um, no, no. <laughs> when I think about uh, where I grew up and how I played cricket, I think my greatest achievement is being born into the family that I was born into because my mum and dad did everything that they could to make me have the opportunities that I've had. So for a girl born in the 70s to go on to play cricket for Australia when you grow up in the country, I think it's a pretty big achievement. Um, but I think it's probably not my achievement. It's when I wouldn't say it's our achievement. It's my. It's our family's achievement. Beautiful. I think the politically correct thing to say is my biggest achievement is my children. But since yeah. they're not here, <laughs> <laughs> your husband's here though. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't count. No. <laughs> question to answer but I think um, if I tell you a, a quick story about one of the scholarship recipients that we have in Tasmania, um, she started Taekwondo as a young person uh, and she became a black belt but later in life uh, she found herself in a violent relationship and she found the courage to leave that relationship when once she had a child. Um, that child later on began Taekwondo so she found herself sitting on the sidelines and heard about the Pink Belt Project. So she took a scholarship and she used that year of the scholarship in her mind to earn back that black belt. Right. She didn't need to, but she felt ashamed that she found herself in the position she'd been in, even though she had a black belt. So in her mind, she earned back her black belt while doing her pink belt scholarship. She's now been made uh, head instructor of her, the branch of her club that she trains at. She's taken on a guest speaking role right around Tasmania, wow. talking about her story and the work of Pink Belt Project. And she's just taken on her first Pink Belt Scholarship recipient. Oh, <laughs> well, sadly, all, thing, all good things do have to come to an end, but I do have one last question. I'll, I'll see if I can get this one to work. I've got a loud voice too. It's a question from um, a, a guy, some of you may know, uh, his name is Mark Howie Howard uh, from Fox Sports. Um, it's a question that he's asked me to ask the panellists tonight, I, I text with him uh, on occasions, and it's a, a question that uh, is very important to uh, make sure we understand your position on this. We need to know because it divides people, it divides nations. The question is, of course, Christy Hitchens, do you have pineapple on pizza or not? Yes. I believe you do. You're a yes!
Well, Christina, all I can say is, if you respond to the negatory on this one, I think you've just heard from the populace, but do you have pineapple on pizza, Christina Matthews? Well, the strange thing about this is I, I don't understand why it's a question, because of course you do. <laughs> I always have ham and pineapple pizza, but I add onion to that to make it even weirder. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I think you've taken that to a whole new level. But anyway... So, lucky last, out of all fate, do you have pineapple on pizza? I already know your answer on this one. You're going to have to have a, you're going to have to have a major rethink. <laughs> well, my parents always told me to tell the truth, so definitely not. No. Guys, will you absolutely join me? We, we, uh, the uh, committee wanted this to be called Be Inspired. I'm certainly being inspired. Thank you for your stories. Thank you for, your, in, in particular, Christine and Avril for all that you're doing for all of us in this room. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Christine and I will come and have another cup of tea with you sometime, and I will, um, I will go in for breakfast. Thanks. Um, but will you put your hands together, first of all, for Avril and Christine? And I really want, to, want you to put your hands together for Christy Hitchens, who has come and told a really inspiring story tonight. And, and in, finally, in my best podcast voice, Thank you for joining us all today on Out on the Pad. We'll see you again on the next episode.